Well, hello everyone. It is time for announcements here at Keys Vineyard. Hey, coming up July 8th. It's like this upcoming Saturday. Super exciting. Uh, is our next baptism at Bay of Honda Beach. Uh, we'll be out there 9 a.m. Saturday, July 8th. Uh, we play some acoustic worship. Uh, my kids will be there playing with us. going to be a lot of fun. And then we, we baptize. It's a great event to be a part of if you'd like to join us for that. If you have not been baptized, it's a super important thing to do. You can sign up on our app. Uh, we'll make sure you get a t-shirt and a certificate that way. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So that'll be July 8th, 9 a.m., Bay of Honda. We go to Calusa side for that. Also coming up in July, July 19th, it's a Wednesday from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, is our next family fun night. We have a tremendous night here. We open it up for our community. It's an air-conditioned indoor play place for the evening. Uh, we set up our human foosball arena. That's a lot of fun. We'll do some games with that. We've got some of our favorite bounce houses that we'll set up for that. Great night, July 19th, here at the church, 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, we have two apps available as well. We have our main KV Church app. That's the one with the great logo. That's where you can watch our services. Uh, you can keep in touch with events and sign up to volunteer here at church. So make sure you have that app downloaded. Uh, we also have our uh, He's Virtual Church app. That is for the postscript. Uh, my dad is starting an online Bible study uh, through that app. Uh, it'll be a great place for online community and you can uh, certainly dive deep into our messages and notes. So two great apps for you to download. Get them both. Uh, yeah, you know, do all the, the social stuff. We really appreciate when you do that. And with all that being said, let's get ready for church. Woo! Everybody online, welcome. Glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to hop in uh, for another time of worship. We've had a great morning so far. I'm glad we can do this with you. Then we're into our series, Sword Sharpening, and we're starting to talk about the, the storyline of the Bible and how it all fits. So we'll be in Genesis 1 and 2 today. So get a Bible and get a coffee, get comfy, because here we go. Woo! <laughs> Good morning, family. It's great to see your faces and hear your voices. We're looking forward to spending time with you guys in worship and in the Word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. Although I think most of you know the flow, we're going to start things off with communion. Pastor Fran is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship, and then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her for a Bible verse. We will dismiss them to their Sunday school classrooms, and then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are in Questions Jesus Asked Part no, not questions. Sorry. Sword sharpening. Slip of the tongue. We were in there for a while. <laughs> we're in sword sharpening part six. And um, I super enjoyed it. And I think you guys will too. Before we do any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you inhabit our praises here this morning, Papa? We thank you for the privilege of gathering together with brothers and sisters to celebrate and worship you, God. We thank you for how you've been moving in our lives this week, for how you've been stirring things in our hearts, for how you've been showing up, making yourself known. And we praise you because we know that you'll do it again. 
Help us to be good listeners this morning. To be good receivers of your word. To be good applicators of your word. Because they have the power to transform. And we long for our hearts to be shaped like your heart. So help us to keep loving lost kids back to your family, Papa. We're in awe of you. And we say thank you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, the protector of all who trust in you and without whom nothing is strong or holy. Increase and multiply your mercy upon us so that with you as our ruler and guide, we may pass through the things which are temporal and fix our eyes on things eternal. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Pastor Fran. On the night he's betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body given for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. St. Mary took the cup. It's the last night of the Passover celebration. Cups of plagues and sanctification and poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup, the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance, remembrance that we call communion of the Lord's Supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake in this meal, I want you to remember me. Says his friends gather this morning, we too can partake in this meal, the bread and the cup, the body of the Lord. We remember give thanks. Remember all Jesus has said and done and promised to do. Remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. Want to remember how he died and rose again. Want to remember the awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back soon. So on this table are the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, the body of the Lord. Table's open this morning to all who believe. Says we worship and you feel led by the Spirit. Go eat, drink, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Fran. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together. And I always try to encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices as we praise the Lord here today. We're going to see the words on the screen so you can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. This is Cherry Blossoms.
Find in me the all in all 
Jesus 
love you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. Hello. Okay, so today's story comes to us from the book of John. And we find that Jesus' disciples, his followers, his friends that have been with him for years, right, are very upset because Jesus is telling them that he has to go away and that they can't come with him. You see, Jesus had come to earth, right, to save us. And he was going to do this by going to the cross, right, by dying on the cross and then rising from the dead. Then he would go to heaven. And he told his disciples that these things were about to happen, right? And he told them, do not be upset. In my father's house, there are many rooms, and I am going there to prepare a place for you. Then I am coming back so that you can come and be with me. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And then he told them, you know the way, the place to where I am going. And they said, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus answered them in John fourteen six. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then they asked, show us the Father. And Jesus said, you have seen me, so you have seen the Father don't you know that the fa- that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Believe because of the miracles I have done. Jesus' miracles, right, prove that he is God. He healed the sick, right? He, he made people come back to life, right? And then he also did many other things that like he fed the thousands and, and then he made the storms calm, right? All things that only God can do, and he did this to show that he is God's son. Jesus was going to go away, but he told his disciples that he was going to send someone else. That someone else was God's spirit. He told them the Holy Spirit will be with you and will teach you and remind you of everything I have taught you. When he was done telling them all this, They all left that place. But something, three things are very important. We must remember, okay, that Jesus shows us what God is like. And God the Father sent Jesus to rescue us. And he sent the Holy Spirit to help us. Okay, so we are 
all empowered to do the things of God, right? Thumbs up? Cool. Good job. Thank you. All right. Are you ready to say the Bible verse with me, boys? Cool. All right. Repeat after me. John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Excellent. Jesus answered. I am the way. I am the way. And the truth. And the truth. Thank you. And the life. And the life. Good. No one. No one. Comes to the Father. No. I am. Except through me. Except to me. That's right. Good job, boys and girls. That was amazing. Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And for all those overcoming the microphone shyness that runs rampant. All right, you guys ready? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes so that we can talk to the Lord. Ready, Haley? Okay. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for sending Jesus to save us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to help us. In Jesus' name, what do we say, boys and girls? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Go have fun. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. Amen. (laughs) They got the best stickers this week. They flash and light up. Yes. They want one. They're going to have fun, you can tell. That's good. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Vineyard. So glad to have you here. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have you with us as well, or us with you, or however that works online. If you're a first-time guest or visitor, that code that just popped up is for you. Point your smart device at it with the camera on. You will get a link to our digital Connect card name, phone number, email. Love to have that info. We will send you texts and emails for four or five weeks, and then they taper off after that. We also have... Gifts for first-time guests back at guest services. If you didn't get one on their way in, stop by on your way out and pick up a gift that will probably be some sort of coffee cup. I do believe it is a coffee yeah. cup. Yes. So, good. No uh, obligation required. In a nice bag, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, two things before we pray for our neighbors. One, Saturday we're having a baptism at Bay of Honda. And so uh, you're invited. That's on Saturday at 9 o'clock. Uh, if, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. I call it a biblical, non-negotiable. It has to happen. So uh, you might want to come and make it happen this Saturday at Bay Honda at 9. Uh, the water will be nice and warm. It'll be fun. We have some acoustic worship out there. It'll be a good... And you're also, you're welcome to come and just hang out if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, also, some people will come to get baptized because they don't remember their baptism. I'm not saying that it didn't take or it didn't work. I'm just saying a memory of your baptism is a very, very valuable thing. If you don't have one, you might want to consider coming to make one this uh, Saturday. Bea Honda, 9 o'clock. The second thing, we've also started doing um, a midweek study online where I am sort of adding to this weekend series uh, with a... uh, a more detailed sort of series on actually studying the Bible. It's called Sword Sharpening Study Methods. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to take some time during the week to sort of actually help you, what does it look like to study the Bible 
you know, what do I do and how does that work? So that we did one last week. There'll be one this Wednesday. It's at keevesvineyard.org or on the Postscript app, KV Church app. So one question. You can watch it any time after you post it, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I post it very early Wednesday morning. Right. Okay. I've already done it. But cool. I don't. I, I hold on to it till Wednesday. He does. And uh, yeah, and and then you, it stays there. Uh, it kind of if you go to the postscript page, it'll be on the top for a few mm-hmm. days, and then I push it off on a menu on the side, and you can get to it whenever. So absolutely, we encourage you to watch that. All right, we uh, we gather corporately. We pray for our neighbors every time we get here. I do this to uh, sort of reemphasize what we've asked you to do. Pray for the people who live around you on a daily basis. So think about a couple of them right now. And we'll go to the Lord. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask, God, that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. That you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. God, help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that... Is easily the most powerful ministry that any of us will ever have or do. So pray for those people that are around you and God moves and it's a big deal. Amen. So keep it up. Um, okay, we're going to continue on in a series today called Sword Sharpening. And this is all about making the most out of our time with the Bible. And I'll get right in there heavy here in a few minutes. But uh, let's get the jokes out of the way so that... Uh, Next week, we actually will be looking in Genesis 6 for a moment, and we'll take a quick look at the giants. Uh, speaking of which, did you hear about the giant who threw up? No. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all over town. Gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think that's way funnier than anybody else. But I know you do. That's why you told it. I know. Who it's... are the most decent people in the mm-hmm. hospital? Right. The ultrasound people. Or is it the orderly? Well, there's that too, but ultrasound. <laughs> Ultras never mind. Got one in there. Almost done. Almost done. I saw a documentary recently. Yes. On how ships are kept together. Really? It was riveting. Wow. <laughs> Thank Pray you. Pray for dude. us, please. Well, all right. Let's let's just make a shift for a second. Pray and then we'll read the word together. Thank you, Lord. Papa, I pray today that we would somehow be able to embrace the mystery that is you, Lord. You made, you made the great lights, Papa. You put the sun to govern the day and the moon and the stars at night. And yet, Lord, you seem to know every hair on our head and not a bird falls from a tree that you don't know it. These thoughts are too much for us, more than we can understand, Lord. But this we do know, that your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. Okay, so this series, Sword Sharpening, uh, it's, it's about making the most out of our time with the Bible. And my hope, my stated hope, I've been stating it from the beginning, is that by the end of this series, hopefully sometime before the end, but by the end, that you will be in a spot where you really look forward to reading the Bible on a daily basis. That if you're reading it now and it's not something you look forward to, it's more of a chore that that will change. And if you're just not reading it, that you'll start to read it. And in fact, that not reading it, you'll miss it when it happens. Because I get that life happens. But uh, that's my hope. So we have spent already some time in this series developing some things that maybe people didn't know about the Bible, that it points to Jesus from the beginning to the end um, in both ways, and that you need to be looking for him throughout the story. Um, that the Bible is actually a library of books, uh, so it's not one book. It's a library of books put together over like a 1,500-year period with 40 different authors, all inspired by God, different genre of writing and different things happening, and you need to be aware of those things in order to really understand what's happening in the Bible. You also need to know that it was written for us but not to us, And by that, I mean it was written to the original hearers and readers of it, and they had a different way of looking at and understanding things. They had a different worldview. And we have to be able to get into their worldview to really understand it. We have to get it. God knew that the time that it was written was the perfect time for all of us, because God's brilliant that way, and that that we would be able to uh, understand the way that we should, because we could understand what they were going through. But we need to make sure that we do that and don't force a 2023 worldview onto a sacred text that's old uh, because it doesn't work. And that's a big problem that people have. And then we've also been uh, emphasizing the idea of context, that you, you can't just take a verse from here and a verse from there and a verse from there. You have to read it all in, in the way that it's written and keep it, make sure that it hangs together and still does the same thing. So those are sort of the main points that we've been working through. And then last week I said, what I want to do is I want to try and break the storyline of the Bible, because that's what a lot of people don't know, into sort of eight manageable sections. Eight was a number that I ended up with. Could have been 80, could have been 800, but it'd be a lot harder to remember 800 uh, sections. And I'm hoping that you can remember eight sections and how they sort of work together. Because here's the thing. Most of us sort of we came into this story in Jesus, and we've hung out in that part of the story. That's a big deal. It's a really good part of the story. But the story is much bigger than that, and it's why he did the things he did and where we're heading as we go. And when you have a grasp of the whole story, it all really begins to make sense. And I can promise you that the good news that we're in because of Jesus is gooder than most of you think, and that we've settled for something less 
good, but not as amazing as it really is. And so you, you need to see how it ties together and what Jesus is doing in the life that we have. And, and so we're going to break it into eight sections. Uh, this first one that we're going to look at, and I reviewed them all last week quickly, is called, I call it Kingdom Revealed. Remember when you read about the kingdom of God in the scripture, don't think about heaven. It's not what it is. It's about the rule and reign of God. It's the authority of God. It's God being God, God godding. That's what it means when you see kingdom. And so these first two chapters reveal the rule and reign of God. That's why I called it kingdom revealed. That's what we're going to read in Genesis 1 and 2. You need to know how Genesis fits because, you know, it it starts in the beginning. So a lot of people read it and they think, well, that was, you know, written before anything happened. You need to hold that into the history of, of how we understand things. So... Uh, Genesis and the rest of the first five books of the Bible were all written by Moses, uh, inspired by God to write the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But all of them would have been written around 1400 B.C. because that's when these things started to get recorded. And we'll look at that later on in the in the series as well, how that sort of breaks out. Um, and that Genesis is... Uh, is a fascinating way of seeing how God is ordering things. And in effect, what he's doing is he's building a cosmic temple. And, and the, everything about Genesis 1 and 2 points at that. Now, what we've often done is we tried to read Genesis 1 and 2 like a science book, and it's not. It doesn't work. It's not a science book. It's a picture of God creating this cosmic temple. And the readers and the hearers would understand that it was in the Near East, right? So it was written to people in Egypt, Iran, that's the Near East, who understood this, this temple ideology because they had little g-gods, we'll talk about false gods, and they had lots of temples. And these temples were built in stages, and at the end of that temple being built, they would put a statue of that false god it represented into the temple, and they would have a place that they believed, they understood the idea of, of a heaven and earth connection, all right, a, a thing happening. And so Genesis is written by God in a way that the, his people would understand what's really going on and what happens back when the story was written. And, and so we're going to look at these first two chapters and make some connections, but, but I want you to understand it's, it's this idea of a cosmic temple. Now, when I use that language... I want to start quickly talking about cosmology because it's the the study of the cosmos. And cosmos would be the idea of the, your idea of how the universe was started or ordered. And all of us have a cosmology. We've all got one. Um, and they had one. I just sort of explained that the Near Eastern cosmology would fit into this idea of temple. And when I say heavens and earth, which is Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, your cosmology that you have might immediately sort of get in your mind pictures of the heavens as you sort of understand them and lots of stars and everything and the earth and you see a, 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 the planet spinning because we have pictures of that now. That would be our understanding of the order of things, but it wasn't the understanding of the people that it was written to. And so we need to sort of figure out, well, what was going on when it was written and not impose our cosmology on the one that they had. Uh, and so when you read heavens and earth, instead of thinking of fixed places, I want you to think of realms. That's what they would have thought of, that the heavens were a divine space. They under had a grasp of divine. 
beings, and the earth would have been human space. And so we have, we have the heaven and the earth. We have the divine space and the human space. Genesis 1-1 defines them for us. And Genesis 1-1 is kind of a heading for the next couple of chapters. And then we're going to go and we're going to get detail in the first two chapters about how that's going to develop. And the idea of this cosmic temple comes up beginning in verse 2. A place where the, the two realms connect. That's what we're looking at. That's the heart of God. That this, this cosmic temple would be a place where heaven and earth connect. And so we read on in the story. Alice read it. But in verse 2 it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, and uh, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. I love that in, here in the first two or three verses of Genesis, we're already introduced to Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, Father, Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, and then in this verse, God said. And that's the Word of God that's being spoken there. And last week of you here, we t- touched on John 1 for a minute, and verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's fully God, fully man. Jesus, here he is, the Word. And so we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, already introduced to us in the very beginning of the book, and we've got this cosmic temple being created. And each sort of one of the days that we have is another step uh, of this temple being created. Uh, It goes on, and God saw... I missed a verse, or I didn't read it. God said, let there be light... And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Uh, And you'll see that happening now for six days. Things are going to happen, and God is creating, and separating, and naming, and making, and things are happening, and then there's evening, uh, and then there's morning, and there's a day. But because we've read it a lot of times... And we kind of quickly read it, or we don't understand it, or this doesn't make any sense. We miss little things that are very cool. Like, uh, day one, God makes light. uh, But you know what? He doesn't make sun or moon until day four. Does that ever bother you? Where's the light coming from if there's not sun or moon? Huh. Well, we find out at the end of the story. That's why you got to know the whole story. In Revelation 22, it says there's no more need for sun or moon because God himself is the light. That's what we have in the beginning. God is the light. He lights things up. Jesus is the light of the world. It's all there in the book, but we're having him develop these things for us so we can understand them. So, so we have these, this temple being created in these, you know, spaces of time. And, uh, and so, you know, he separates water. He causes, makes plants, sun, moon, stars, fish, birds, animals. Finally, people. I want to get back to that in a minute on day six. He makes people. But Genesis 2 is interesting as well. And most of Genesis 2 is just more information on what happened in Genesis 1. Because sometimes people read it and say, well, we didn't really read about this already in Genesis 1. You have, but now you're getting some added detail. But I love this part. Verse 1 Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. This cosmic temple is done. And on the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I think we've often read that and we thought, wow, God was tired. And so he took a break. Kicked back in the lazy boy and went, whoo. He's not. He's created this temple, and on the seventh day, he rests on it. His presence comes and fills the temple, which is how they would have understood it. 
So it's created. And now, and the old way they did temples, they believed this was on the sixth day, the last part of that temple being built was the image of that God would go in there. And then the presence of God would be real. They saw that as a very real thing. Well, we have that happening. God is finished, and now he's rested. His presence is on the temple, because on the sixth day, what he did was he put us in there as his imagers. We were created as his imagers. Uh, and, and so I'll use that word imagers. I've used that a lot here because the image of God understanding is, is sometimes gets, well, what does it mean that we're created in the image of God? Does that mean that we look like God? We could, but it has more to do with that. What it really means is that we're created to image God, to represent God on what he's done. That's how he wanted to do it. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so the, the image of God, it's an, it's an important concept in the Bible. Uh, human beings were created to be like God. And, and think of the image of God as a verb, um, and you're on the right track to sort of getting the idea. We're to be his imagers. We're to represent him in what he's done. You, you need to know that God could have done it by himself. He doesn't need us uh, because nothing is beyond his ability. But, but God created us because God has a heart. This is a big deal in the first two chapters for family. God is a family God. The, the idea of family is huge in the Bible. And, and it's expressed here. God could do all these things by himself, but he doesn't want to. He created us so that we could do it together. He doesn't need us. He wants us. And, and he, in his image, he gave us enough of his qualities that we could get the job done. And that's why we have things like imagination and, and why we have uh, creativity and why we have intelligence. It ultimately is why he gave us free will which is going to cause some issues. But he did all that so that we could partner with him. Uh, and in effect, you've heard me say this, be cosmic gardeners, if you would. We have, in Genesis, what you find out in these first two chapters, that he created this temple that's Eden. It's perfect. And he's created the whole planet, which is good, but not perfect. And what we're to do is partner together, and he's going to be with us, and we're going to go over the whole planet, and we're going to make it like Eden. That's the heart of God. That's his whole deal. And you need to know that that's still God's deal, and it hasn't changed, and we get back to that at the end of Revelation in those last two chapters. That's what's happening. That's what we're heading to. See, we've because we haven't really embraced the whole story, let me tell you what's happened is we've taken part of it, and we've settled for it. And we, we, we get that we need Jesus in order to be saved, and we think, you know, that being saved means we get to go to heaven. Yes, um, but that's not the end deal. When you read the last two chapters, you find out that what happens at the very end is that out of heaven uh, comes the new Jerusalem, and it comes where? To earth, and earth is renewed and restored, and us, we get new physical bodies. That's a big deal uh, that's all throughout the scripture, um, and, and so you get a new physical body because it's going to dwell here. There will be, if we... If this wears out before Jesus comes back, you will be in heaven with him for a season. It's going to be cool. Don't get me wrong. But that's not your whole deal. You don't end up there wondering what you do with yourself hanging around on a cloud with a harp. 
Like, well, I'm going to get tired of that forever. Well, that won't be your forever. You will come when Jesus comes back, and you get a brand new body. And we, we have, I don't even think we can really grasp what it is to have a body that doesn't fade. <laughs> Especially if you, as you start getting a little older, and you wake up with a new thing, and you're like, is that forever? <laughs> and it, well, it is until you get a new body, but that new one never has that happen. It's the way it was in the beginning, incorruptible, without no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. And we're with him forever on the planet the way he always intended it, experiencing life and adventure with God and with folks. And, and it's going to be beyond what you can comprehend. It's so much gooder than what you thought. The good news is gooder than what you've often been settled for. Because you've thought, well, the end is heaven. Heaven's cool, but it's not. It's so the, but you have to grasp how this all fits. And this beginning part is the heart of God and always has been, and it's what we get back to. He never changes plans. It, it's, that's still the, the end result is what he wanted, is what's going to happen at the end. We mess it up, and all sorts of things happen, but, but he's working. it's working right now. We're working back towards that, which is really cool. And when you get that, then all of a sudden, what matters really matters. And all the things that we get distracted by, you realize that they don't matter. There's a lot of stuff that people get hung up on that isn't part of the bigger story. And it doesn't matter. Okay, whatever. But this is how it ends, and that matters. And this is how it began, and that matters. And so we we started in this whole process. And so God's created us, his human family. We're going to hang out with him on the planet and it's going to be cool. We'll be co-rulers, if you would, with him, partnering with him to continue on this cosmic temple. Now, before I finish, I need to introduce, before we get to the next week, another group of beings. And they're called the Elohim. And this is a big deal. Elohim is a funny word in the Hebrew because it, it ultimately what it means is any of those divine beings whose address is the divine realm. That's the best way I can figure that, how to say that, all right? So God is an Elohim, but he is unlike all the other Elohim because God is El Elohim. He's the Elohim who creates all other divine beings. But sometimes when you're reading the Bible and you'll see the word Elohim and it'll be talking about big G God, and other times it won't. It'll be talking about this divine family that he created. Most of you would sort of know them as angels, and you'll get with that. But they're more than the angels. And sometimes Elohim is, is interpreted as angels. And often it's interpreted as, in the scripture, sons of God. And that's been confused a lot. Because people read sons of God and don't think of Elohim. They think, well, they must be talking about people somewhere. And they're not. It's this group of divine beings that he made. He, so he made a divine family before he made us. So they have to come into the story. Because they play a big part in the story. And so they were there before we were, and we know that because of a conversation in Job that God has. And he's saying in Job 38, he said, where were you, Job, people, when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimension. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Or on, on what were its footing set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. That's the word Elohim. The spiritual family, the divine family, was there when creation took place. And they were mostly cheering it on. All right? So, so we have that whole picture. So you have these Elohim, angels, sons of God, children of God. That idea of sons, children works, and it's 
more about family. I said he was family-oriented, right? So he has a divine family, and then he has a human family. Not because he needs any of it, because that's what he wanted. So the heart of God, what you need to get in the first two chapters, the heart of God is to live with both his divine family and his human family here on earth. And, and God wanted the whole earth to be a place where heaven and earth meet and where humanity could enjoy the divine and where the divine could enjoy earth and humanity. That's how the story starts. That's the heart of the story. That's what God wanted. And that's what happens until next week's story comes along. And there's a rebellion because some of the spiritual family, the divine family, didn't want a human family. They like things the way they are. Anybody ever here like things the way they are? Don't want things to change? They didn't want change. And they're going to try to do it. And the human family, all of us, decide somehow we think we can do this without God. And we still do that. There's, we replay the fall all the time because we, um, we think we're smarter than God. That's what sin is in, in, a, in a short way of saying it. All of us here have sinned. What it means is we've chosen to go our way instead of God's way. All of us have done it at some point. And that's how things start. That's where rebellion comes from. And so next week, so we have the heart of God revealed this week, and next week we're going to see this rebellion that happens that messes things up for a while. And that comes in three phases, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel from Genesis 3 through 11. So if you want to get ahead, read that. But as you see these pieces come together, the whole story is going to open up for you, and you're going to go, ah. Oh. And you know when I read the New Testament, because the, the writers of the New Testament knew the Old Testament, which most of us don't. And so when you're reading the New Testament and you've started to look at the backstory, you can see where all of a sudden they go, oh, that's why that's there. That's what that meant. And you can see how excited they get as they're writing it down because they finally see the connections. When you start seeing those connections, it changes the way that you spend, hang out with this book because he's constantly revealing new things uh, to us that, that have been there. We just haven't hung on it with it long enough to find them. So that's where I'm going to leave it for today. Remember this first. The heart of God revealed. His heart is to... to he wants to dwell on earth as a perfect place with his divine family and his human family where everything is good and that we enjoy each other. That's the heart of God. Uh, and so he'll get back to it, I promise, towards the end. But right now, we're in a mess. And we'll see how that mess starts next week. Okay, I'm going to finish it there. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way to that wall, they're here to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. Sometimes we just need someone with skin on to stand with us and pray for us. Listen, as we continue on, what we'll find out is that um, we choose to go our own way and it separates us, it knocks us out of this story. And yet, God makes a way back for us. And that's Jesus, fully God, fully man. He arrives on the scene, He deals with sin, He deals with death at the cross and in the resurrection, and then He invites us to be reconciled to God. And the way that we do that the way that we engage back in his story is we say yes to what he's done. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? And, and when you say that in faith, that's your way back into the story. And you want to be in this story. This is the best. You know, I'm, I'm saying story, but you need to know this is a real story. This is a true story. This is epic, but in its, its reality, it's the way things really are. You do not want to not make it into this story. 
because there's nothing else out there. And, and the way in is, Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? Amen. I'm looking forward to this series. Also, however you celebrate the 4th of July this week, guys, whether you go and watch the fireworks or did you tell the story about Australian fireworks? No, because I feel to? silly. Well, so <laughs> we, we, so I said silly. at 8 o'clock, I just happened to mention about fireworks that it's too bad that they happen at night, which was because, being silly, right? Yeah. Because I, I want to be asleep <laughs> when fireworks are happening. And I said, well, we'll just have to watch them time delayed somewhere. And I said without thinking, we'll just watch the ones that happen in Australia. The 4th of July. So... And my son looks at me and says, they don't celebrate Independence Day in Australia. Because I'm thinking about New Year's Eve, where you can sort of yeah. do that. Yeah. Anyway. And so then I just lost it because I... He couldn't pull it back together. Stupid. Yeah, you missed it. Uh, anyway, however you choose to celebrate this week with your family, sit around the table, enjoy each other, eat good food, and love each other well. Okay? God bless you. Yeah. And remember here, in case you're not from here... Right. On Big Pine, they celebrate 4th of July on the 3rd with fireworks, just so you know. So Because then they go and do the other cities on the 4th, so 3rd at the park. Right. And, uh, there will be mosquitoes. Monday. There will be most likely mosquitoes, yes. Um, so bring spray. Yeah. Or, will you be there? I will not be there. Maybe someone will capture it on video. And then I, I won't watch that I'm either. Sure but that's okay. <laughs> Here we go. We uh, I don't, I'm just rambling. Let me... Uh, thank you, church. Your generosity is amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you for being faithful to giving, tithing, offering, all the cool things you do, and allowing us to be an active part in our community and really do stuff all over the globe. So thank you for that. Let's sing doxology, and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. These doors will be open for you. Head out that way. Prayer's over there if you need it. Have a great rest of your weekend. And be safe if you're on the road driving over the next couple of days. We love you guys. Bye. Thanks for watching online. Genesis 3 through 11 next week. Three things we're going to cover next week. The fall, the flood, and the tower. Babel. Big deals. What are you guys doing for the fourth? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.